You're listening to the Hashtag SDRS podcast with Greg Kogel and Amy Hall. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, hi, Amy. We, we are in a little <laughs> bit in a giddy mood because we've been talking about frivolous things and uh, like Amy's water bottle. She's got, well, it's not a new water bottle, but I don't remember seeing it before. And so it looked like a new one, but it's not your only one. <laughs> uh, no, um, as I've told Kyle before... <laughs> I don't understand it. I can't explain it, but I think it's just a girl thing. We like to have various pretty water bottles. I I have three women in my household, and we are overflowing with water bottles. It seems like every time we turn around, they got to get another one. Well, wait a minute. It's a new month, right? It's like a new school year. Okay, uh, but it's a new month. Why do we need another water bottle? I don't get that. I I can't explain it, Greg. It's a real thing. It's a real. It just, it's, it's a not, real thing. They're not like earrings, and you got to you know <laughs> match it to your dress or something. It's just a water bottle. I mean, Kyle and I would just all we need is a ditch, <laughs> right? Well, there's some water. <laughs> I got the same water bottles I've been carrying with my bags in, in my trips. You know, actually, it's not the same because I keep forgetting them on airplanes. But I I got a bunch of extras. They all look the same. Nothing fancy, just a liter of water. Um, I, I just don't. Well, I don't, my my apologies. I don't even have any decoration? No stickers on it or anything. But my, my apologies to the men out there. I honestly cannot explain it, but it is a real thing. That it's women are into yes. water bottles, yes. and they have to have more than one. It, they make us happy, Greg. I, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, I don't know why. Well, I'll probably get letters now. Somebody <laughs> saying, "Hey, well, you're right." Maybe you can start My a girls. support group for the oh, poor yes. men who oh, have God, to deal with God, this. Help us! Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, uh, from the frivolous to the. Uh, well, no. you can decide if this is also frivolous. No, it's, no, a, so, it's an unusual question. Well, I was last... going to say from the ridiculous to the sublime. That's kind of <laughs> sublime to ridiculous. Okay, but it's not ridiculous. It's just... Well, in the last episode, we were talking about some questions that are going around in the culture right now. So we're going to continue on that with okay. this one. Uh, this is a question that people are asking right now. And... Why do women always have so many water bottles? <laughs> it's, it's really I can't answer distressing. that one. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, so this one comes from Allison. With all the talk about space aliens, has Greg talked recently about it and the Christian perspective? Are aliens really evil spirits of Satan? What are Greg's thoughts? That's a great question. I'm glad it was brought up because there is conversation about this now because apparently the government is acknowledging the uh, the reality of these things. Now, in a certain sense, there's always been UFOs, that is, and UFOs exist. That is, unidentified flying objects, you know, and uh, the vast majority turn out to be identified um, as some naturalistic phenomena. But there's this there's this residual uh, amount that have never been explained and they they're odd. So there is a, a genuine phenomena going out there that is not explainable uh, in the standard ways that UFOs as possible aliens have been dismissed, all right? And now the the government is acknowledging that that's the case. Now, um, of course, this is creating a, a big stir, so much so that a documentary is in the process of being made. It's in post-production right now, but I was interviewed for it uh, earlier this spring, and I couldn't imagine why they would interview me about UFOs uh, because it's not my area of expertise. However, it turned out that many things that I had to share theologically and philosophically 
actually bore on the question and bore on the issue. And so I was able to make a contribution. That I think it's called God and UFOs or UFOs and God. That's their working title. And uh, of course, we'll make some more, some, um, we'll bring visibility to it once it's released. And I talked to the producer of that just last week because of developments. And um, so a couple of observations. And first is that the government is now acknowledging there is there these things are real and unexplained um, as terrestrial phenomena of some sort. They don't call them UFOs now. They call them uh, UAP, I think, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Okay? I always want to make it an F, but it's a P. <laughs> UAP, Unidentified. Now, why did they change the acronym? I, I don't know. But um, nevertheless, I'm sticking with UFOs because I can't remember the other one. I have to think too hard about it. But uh, but they've changed the the um, acronym partly to capture the idea that this is a little bit broader. It's not just flying objects. It's phenomena, all right, that uh, are unexplained. So let me make a couple of observations about this. Um, I know the question entailed or or raised the the issue of of demons all right um here here here's what i was able to contribute to the discussion um physical objects have physical qualities if an object doesn't have physical qualities it's not physical okay uh, that's that's philosophy of course but it's it's based on a simple reflection so i'm having a thought right now about ufo's and this question well that thought does not extend in space. That thought uh, is not uh, beholden to the laws of physics and chemistry. Uh, That thought is not physical. It's real. I'm having it. I'm aware of it, but it's not physical. Okay, this is one way of distinguishing the reality of the material world from the immaterial world, the qualities it has. Okay, and this turns out to be a very powerful argument regarding the mind-body problem, is there, are we just meet all the way down, physical, or is there an immaterial self called a soul that um, is part of the process? Now, it turns out, as I just mentioned, thoughts uh, are not physical things because they don't have physical qualities. Something has the thoughts, <laughs> and physical things don't have thoughts. So it must be a non-physical self that possesses the thoughts. Okay, I just use this as an analogy to show how a an appropriate philosophical re- reflection on the nature of things helps us to divide things into two different categories, physical and non-physical. Turns out, UFOs, uh, in these sightings, they do not comport with physics. <laughs> they do things that are inconsistent with physics, the laws of physics, okay? And therefore, if they are not comporting to the laws of physics, this would suggest that they're not physical. Now, a lot of people want to be dismissive of that. They say, well, the the laws of physics as we know them. Wait a minute. The laws of physics apply to the whole universe. Our whole understanding about how the universe began is tied to the the laws of physics. Okay? They're universal. They govern matter. And if they don't govern matter, if the laws of physics that we know don't govern matter, then they're not laws of physics. And then, then physics doesn't explain anything consistently. And so we are justified in not punting to the laws of physics we don't know about, but rather drawing on what we know 
to conclude that these objects that do not obey the laws of physics do not obey the laws of physics because they're not physical. All right? So there's part of the conclusion. Secondly, there's a very strong connection between the communication that people have in close encounters with um, these beings. We just call them aliens because that's a pretty broad term. Um, there are conversations that they have, and characteristically, two things we notice characteristically of the content. There's a lot of an occultic connection in in these encounters, and secondly, there is a very consistent denial of the truths of Christianity, not the truths of other religions, but the truths of Christianity. Now, this is suspicious. And one question that comes up, and I this came up, I think, in the conversation between Stephen Meyer and Joe Rogan on the piece that they did uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and incidentally, if you haven't watched that, whoever's listening, this is, you know, this is three and a half hour discussion between Stephen Meyer, the intelligent design guy, and Joe Rogan. It's really magnificent. Okay, just saying. Now, um, the the that issue. An issue came up in that discussion, and now is coming up more and more. What if we make intelligent contact with aliens, and they tell us Christianity is false, and God doesn't exist? There you go. Now what? And that's the that's the big deal right now. What if we learn from these people that the religious views that we have are false? Okay. Now, here's my response, and I'm not sure if I got this. I just want to give credit where credit's due. If I, got, I heard Dennis Prager say something about this years ago, but it stuck with me, and the principle is really good. If really smart aliens say there is no God and Christianity's false, so what? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, so what? There are absolutely brilliant people on this planet who say that. And just because brilliant people say that doesn't mean that it's true, <laughs> okay? Um, that's an in- inappropriate appeal to authority, all right? We have very particular reasons for believing the existence of God and the, uh, uh, the truth of Christianity, all right? So what a person would have to do an intelligent person would have to do would be to appropriately disabuse us of those ideas in order for those ideas to be shown to be false. And um, and what they would have to do is they would have to answer the particular challenges—I'm sorry, the particular evidences in favor of God and Christianity. No, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Oh, he's an alien. Oh, he was one of us. Really? Why should I believe you? He didn't Apparently, he didn't think he was one of you, and the disciples didn't think he was one of you, and nobody thought. We have no evidence whatsoever in any of the records of Jesus that he was anything um, less than a Torah-observant Jew who claimed to be the Messiah and the Son of God, which is a claim to divinity, unique divinity, by the way, not just a God, a Christ of sorts, and then worked miracles substantiating the claim, including the miracle of the resurrection, which absolutely transformed his group of disciples from from doubting losers—okay, Jesus is dead on Friday, Saturday, it was all over—and then Sunday something happened that changed them and changed changed James, the the unbelieving um, 
half-brother of Jesus, and the critic and the persecutor of Christians, Saul of Tarsus. So, you know, what what was that? Well, that was the resurrection. I mean, that's a very standard kind of argument for the legitimacy of the resurrection, which I cover in uh, the story of reality in a chapter called Four Facts. So, the point I'm making is, just because some very smart authority says that Christianity is false, there is no God, whether it's a really brilliant human being or some alien, it still comes down to the reasons. The reasons are what matter. And uh, uh, and this is actually just an employment of a tactic in the tactics book called Rhodes Scholar. Just because a smart guy says something is so doesn't mean it's so. We have to know the rationale behind the conclusion they're offering to us so we can test the reasoning itself. It is a little bit odd that they would assume that whatever they said would be true and ghost. People do put some sort of weird spiritual, I don't know, they they look up to the idea of aliens, and if they came down, they would solve everything, and they would know everything, and, and all these sorts of things. I remember back, do you remember that movie Contact many oh, years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah. I, I talk about that in the uh, the new book. In fact, I use that as a rubric for making a point about design. Well, one thing in there, Jodie Foster's character, when El, she finds— Ellie El, El Arroway. Oh, I can't believe you remember that. Yeah. Well, she, she, when she finds out there are aliens, then suddenly she's— all her all her troubles or all her worries are solved. Like, this, this changes everything. Hmm. Now we're not alone. And I'm thinking— you know, there are billions of people on the earth. You're not alone. <laughs> why Why does it change anything right. to have an alien? Right. Because people place some sort of weird, I don't know, value on them that is something beyond— Metaphysical significance. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how to explain that. But um, one thing, Greg, I am very skeptical that aliens have been here. But uh, let me push By back. By the way, there's to, a lot of other reasons that we don't have time to go into, but uh, and I could at some time maybe, but of why th- what we're seeing are not aliens. They're not visitors from other planets. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that, that has to do with physics, you know, and a whole bunch of other uh, difficulties. But go ahead. Well, let me ask, because I, I don't know how they're saying that they're messing with the laws of physics, but couldn't someone respond, if I were to jump off a cliff— the laws of physics would mean that I would fall to the ground. Right. But if I had some sort of contraption that could enable me to fly, then the laws of physics would not have that effect on me right. because I would be doing something with some sort of uh, equipment that would enable me to do something the laws of physics would normally not let me do. Well, yeah. That, well, it's just employing the laws of physics in a machine mm-hmm. that allows you to individually do something. They do what airplanes do, you know. You know, I can fly inside of a craft that is capable of using the laws of physics to get from one city to the other. Okay, so that and so the question that here's the issue though. It is the laws of physics that allows airplanes to operate here, but it's the laws of physics that actually keep aliens from from flying the great distances that are required to fly, okay, because of a whole bunch of things. The time, the um, uh, limitations of the speed of light, the uh, radiation in the universe, fuel concerns, okay? There are all kinds of other things that have to be taken into consideration, mm-hmm. all right? So this is what I mean, the laws of physics, the... the um, um, inveigh against the likelihood. Another one is, how are they going to find us? 
you know, there's that famous picture of the pale blue dot where we have a little um, satellite, satellite thing that's going out of our solar system, you know, this craft. And as it's leaving our solar system, it looks backwards and takes a picture. And there's that pale blue dot, which is Earth. And that's within our solar system. It's really small. How does anyone find out that there is any kind of intelligent life on our little planet? And um, because the closest place is light years away that could even in principle, in principle, have um, uh, intelligent life. And so so that's a question. Uh, we're isolated. Oh, well, we send out signals. Yeah, signals move at the speed of light. I mean, the, even radio signals, you know, the 1946 Olympics, that was the first TV signals that kind of might go out mm-hmm. in the space. And that was actually featured in the movie, Contact, you know, and mm-hmm. they bounced back and sent back to us in this uh, message that was communicated. So there are a host of difficulties of understanding whatever we're seeing as someone from another planet in another solar system or another galaxy, okay? And that has to do with the distances involved mm-hmm. and all the other things that are related to physics, okay? Um, now, people will punt to, well, physics as we know it. And that's what Rogan did, as I recall. Well, that's what we know right now. Well, that's all we can go on, mm-hmm. is what um, Stephen Meyer was saying. This is all we can go on. Incidentally, there, um, there are no artifacts available there are physical impact, uh, there are f- physical evidences, like, for example, a, a, a satellite. People see see this one of these things crash. Then you go to the site, you see the soil all torn up, but there's no craft. There are no pieces of craft. There are no artifacts. Well, this brings us, I, I have two more questions that we are going to do. I know this is going to be a long show, but okay. I, I we're not going to come around to aliens again for a long time. Okay. So I want to get all three of these in. So this second one comes from Holly, and it follows on what you're talking about right now. In a recent congressional hearing, it was brought up that the U.S. government has recovered parts of crashed UFO crafts and biological pieces of the pilots of the crafts. How does this fit with the biblical narrative of the spiritual realm? Could we have biological evidence of demons or angels? Um, First of all, uh, this to me is still uh, uh, the the court is still out on that. The government says they found these things. Really? I think it was one whistleblower, so I I, I don't know what we know about that for sure. Last week, I talked to the producer of the film, and I reaffirmed the fact with him that there are no artifacts. So that could be shown to be false, okay? Secondly... this doesn't mean these the even if there are artifacts it doesn't mean that it can't be demonically in there can't be a demonic influence or involvement there all right that's another feature it doesn't dis- disqualify that let's just say there are real aliens let's just say that there are visitors from another so they're just the real mccoy you know et phone home you know so what I, again, I don't—I mean, it's, it's like, wow, unbelievable, incredible, science fiction become reality, yes. But what what follows from that in terms of spiritual significance with regards to the claims of Christianity about the nature of the universe? The Bible never addresses whether or not there are creatures in other uh, solar systems that are intelligent. It, it doesn't ever speak to that. If it turns out that there are other creatures, it certainly is possible. I don't see any difficulty with that. Now, Hugh Ross has said if there are, they would have to be unfallen, for one, um, or, if fallen, irredeemable. 
because Jesus is the kinship redeemer, uh, the second person of the Trinity, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so he will always be the God-man, all right, forever and ever. So um, there's no kinship redeemer for aliens, apparently. So this is a theological argument based on Christian theology um, that they would be Un, unfallen or irredeemable, so I don't. I don't know. May, I mean, I think that's a fair observation. But even if there are aliens, I don't see what threat that causes or brings to any piece of Christian theology, unless people are just convinced that aliens know more than we do, and all they have to do is say something's the case, like Christianity's false, and therefore we should believe them. I'm not going to believe them, just like I'm not going to believe any other smart person who's, who denies what I think is powerful evidence mm-hmm. in favor of Christianity. Well, you've already touched on the third question, which is from Ariel. What impact on faith will true evidence of alien existence have on Christians? Yeah, I, well, what will it have on Christians is different from what it ought to have on Christians. That's true. I, I think a lot of Christians are going to be shaken about this. And especially if these are aliens, or however one characterizes where they came from and what the actual nature is, whether it's demonic or whether it's not, I mean, that obviously the the world is not going to admit that they're demonic, all right? It's just going to say they're real and they're from other things and we ought to pay attention to them, which I don't know why. Hey, when you think about, think about all the movies that have been made about aliens, none of them are friendly. They don't come no, with— No, some of—they were for a while. You've got—you know, you've got E.T. E.T. was oh, yeah, friendly. Oh, that wasn't the earliest, though. Oh, you're talking about the earliest oh, well, ones? Well, even though— You've e- e- gone e- in cycles. You, you, yeah, okay. Well, E.T. Was ben- wasn't benevolent. He was just benign. He didn't, he didn't hurt anything, you know. He just wanted to go home. Okay, he's stuck. And, uh, and he's, and, but if the day the earth stood still, Michael Rennie, okay, mm-hmm. look it up, man. When I was a kid, I watched that. And here you got the, that was during the Cold War and the nuclear concerns and all that. And so the aliens come and says, we're going to control your whole planet unless you agree not to kill each other kind of deal. And there was a, there was a critter with a, a guy with a death ray eyeball, you know, and if you didn't say the right thing in his language, man, you got fried. And that was, a, a big thing during that time is that that line, whatever it was in this other language, and all the kids knew what it was because they were trying to fry each other, you know, playing the the, the, the critter guy and the, the, the robot-like guy that came out of the thing. So, but, and you think about um, Independence Day, you think about almost all of the alien movies, they're all bad guys that are trying to take over and we're fighting back, okay? So I don't know why we would just assume that these aliens are going to be benevolent. I don't know why that would be the assumption, why we would just just accept it. But I think a lot of people are going to act that way. I remember when I first became a Christian, there was, um, and it was probably mid-70s, there was a group that uh, had a meeting in Santa Monica, uh, and they, 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 this was a, 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 what would you call it, like a, not a, a space cult or something, I don't know what, how you'd call it, but what the guy was saying, I, I went to this meeting, I was at the Leighton Power House at the time, so it was up b- before 1976, and I, I sat in the meeting, honest to goodness, 
this guy gave this talk about how the aliens have contacted them and were going to take them away. Now, this is before the group in San Diego committed suicide, okay? That was a few years later, the uh, Hale-Bopp cult, mm-hmm. right? And he said, and we are going to take you to a brand new life, to a new world, and we're looking for, are you with us? Will you come with us or not? And then he says this, we are not going to give you one shred of evidence that what we're saying is true. You're in or you're out. And then he did an altar call, and a whole bunch of people came forward. You've got to sell everything that you own. You've got to cut all your ties with this. You're leaving this planet. And a whole bunch of—I stood there while I watched people come forward in that. So notice how the, the, that public was so willing to make—to uh, to, to drop everything, those individuals— to go with this group. I don't know whatever happened to this group, frankly. Um, but, I, I mean, I can't recall the details. I can't even re- recall the name of the group. But uh, that was that was, that was was mid-'70s. So um, there is a cr- tremendous appeal that the idea that some, some Savior will come from another world and rescue us. Hmm. Oh, what's that called? That's called a false gospel. Because there is a Savior that came from another world that rescued us. You know, uh, what is uh, the the good invasion, I think, as C.S. Lewis calls it. And I ch- trade on that notion in the story of reality a little bit. So um, it, it's, it's going to be interesting how this all develops. But just to lay a predicate for future discussions, keep in mind, if there is real aliens, it has, I don't see any spiritual significance the reality of aliens has on Christianity, and if aliens say that Christianity is false and the God of the Bible doesn't exist, that that so what? It all comes down to the reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as we understand, you don't have to take everything they say as being true. This weird idea we have in our culture, you still have to. They still have to refute the reasons for yeah. Christianity. I, I think I think as long as Christians can remember that and remember that th- theologically, it's not going to cause any problems that I can think of. I mean, we'd have to think through some things, but it doesn't refute Christianity. Their mere existence doesn't mm-hmm. refute it. By the way, I, I'm thinking of more movies. <laughs> Twilight Zone actually used this theme a number of times. And uh, one of them, Rod Serling, he was the author of that. And I, I mean, oh, whatever. And um, one was called The Monsters Are Doing Maple Street. You can go online and watch that. And how everybody went crazy because they thought aliens were coming. And and there's a twist at the end I don't want to give you, but the, 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 watch it. It's very interesting, and it shows the psychological impact, how, mob, uh, how, how mobs react to things and then start doubting their neighbors, etc. Mm-hmm. And then there's a Twilight Zone um, called To Serve Man. Yes. Do you remember that? Okay, <laughs> yes. so the aliens land and they make contact and they have a book that and and they're, they're trying to decipher the book and they're making friends and everything they're inviting people to come on the board and you know and go with them. And the very last line of course this is like the twilight zone. This is it's the uh it's the surprise ending. So I'll tell you what it is. As the guys going up the plant, the guys who are you know deciphering the book said, "No, don't go, don't go." It's a cookbook, you know, that kind <laughs> to of thing. To serve man, yes. Yes, to serve man. So, um, uh, yeah, there, there is this widespread, at least in Hollywood and with the science fiction well, writers, that these guys are dangerous and they shouldn't be trusted. There, it, what's interesting, and I think we'd have to look at why this happened, but 
certainly at the beginning, like in the 50s, they were all bad. And then it kind of tra- into the 80s. Then you started having good aliens like E.T. and ALF and Close and Encounters of the Close Third Encounters. Kind. And then it switched back again. And then we had mm-hmm. <laughs> bad aliens again. So I, I'm sure it has something to do with how we what kind of fears are going on in our culture? I yeah. just, I'm not sure. Well, wasn't the blob, remember the blob, the late the late 50s or very early 60s, the blob? Was that an alien? I I, I think it might have been a, an alien too. And uh, uh, it was, somebody like Steve McQueen was in that as a very, very young actor. He was the main guy, one of the first things. But uh, then, then you had another one about wild triffids and these plants that come in from outer space. <laughs> uh, it, it's... Why, well, do, why do these stick with me? I can't remember what I saw last week. but uh, yeah. It certainly is an unusual topic, and we will see what happens. I'll be interested to see what happens if yeah. anything ever comes. Just don't get spaced things. out. Yeah. Oh, Greg. <laughs> no worries. All right. Well, thanks for sticking with us on this longer episode <laughs> about aliens. And it probably will be a while before it comes up again, so hopefully you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us your question on Twitter, or should I say the platform formerly known as Twitter? I'm not sure if we're supposed to call it X now. I don't know. Um, You can send it with the hashtag STRask, or you can go through our website if you go to our hashtag STRask podcast page. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason. (laughs) 